Thank you everyone for being with us on our third day of the Virtual Basketball Coaches Clinic. I'd like to introduce you to our assistant men's basketball coach, Alan Edwards. Uh, coach Edwards will be speaking on running your own race. This will be an inside look at shaping the lives of young people through the game of basketball. Coach Edwards has an impressive basketball history, winning two national championships as a player, coaching 14 postseason bursts and 14 conference championship teams. Coach Edwards started his coaching career at Kentucky and has had stops at Moorhead State, VCU, Towson, and Western Kentucky. Coach Carter was also the head coach at Wyoming for four seasons. Before we hear from Coach Edwards, I ask that if anyone has any questions, to please ask your questions in the chat section so we can address them after Coach speaks. And as a reminder, per NCAA rules, no prospects can be on this call individually or with a coach. And with that, thank you. And now I'd like to introduce you to our assistant men's basketball coach, Alan Edwards. Thanks, Mike. I uh, appreciate it. And uh, thanks uh, for all those that are, are here joining us. Um, with this being our third day, uh, obviously had a great time uh, watching Coach Carter present. Uh, also had a great time watching Coach G present as well. And even uh, as I listened to both of those guys, you know, some of the things that I want to talk about today may even overlap some of the things they spoke about. But at the same time, I want this to be a little bit more intimate uh, of a conversation. Uh, I'm treating it as if uh, we're sitting here talking one-on-one -on -one and just giving you uh, bits and pieces of my journeys. Uh, I want to share stories with you that, you know, maybe uh, I've shared with close friends, but not, you know, have spoken publicly about, you know, things of that nature. But I think it could also help you know, as, you know, we're all on a path to do something. Um, again, I, I don't want this to be a scenario, a situation where um, it seems like I'm preaching at the same time, you know, like Mike said, I would love questions uh, toward the end, but also comments uh, to what you're uh, thinking about or if some of the stuff that I've hit on uh, you've probably been through some of these experiences uh, yourself uh, to share with the group. And, and I think that's a, a great way to learn when that type of information is uh, coming from multiple sources and, and not just myself here today. Uh, wanted to start, um, you know, like uh, Mike was saying, uh, you know, I'm originally from Miami, Florida, and I've been around probably like most people uh, basketball at a very young age and when I was around it I want to say even right now my son's 12 right around that age I had a real inkling of wanting to be a coach just because of the impact you know I felt like it was having on my life uh, my brother's lives but also um, the kids that grew up with me so I, I was always fascinated uh, as I continue to get better as a basketball player. And as you grow, not only as a player, but even in your profession or in our case, basketball, you know, I always thought about it and you hear people all the time always talk about why or the passion um, or, you know, what do you want to get out uh, of this or whatever, uh, whatever particular profession that you want to get in. So my, actually my last year uh, at Wyoming, I articulated it in words 
the way I've felt, you know, since a child and wanted to be able to give back to the game what I felt like the game has given me. So instead of saying why, I came up with it being more my mission statement. You know, this is what I feel like God has put me on this earth to do. Uh, and I'm very passionate about it. So uh, if you can go to that first slide, Ricky, is that up? My mission statement or me individually when I talk, you know, my thing is always about, as you read there, to help shape the lives of young people through the game of basketball. Uh, played for Rick Pitino at the University of Kentucky, and he used to always say basketball is a direct correlation to life. The things that you will learn in this sport, in this game, if you take it on over to whatever field uh, you decide to choose, you uh, give yourself the best chance to be successful. So as I was thinking about it again, um, and while I'm going through this profession, you know, a lot of people think about wins and losses. And again, I know that's a big part of it. But at the end of the day, you know, if you wasn't, and I had this question, if you wasn't coaching uh, college basketball, what would you be doing? And my, my mission statement doesn't change. You know, I will be helping to shape the lives of young people. Uh, and I think that's my way of giving back to the game of basketball, but also giving back to uh, people in general. So um, as we go forward, again, I just want to speak to you on the things that I've been through, what I've learned, share some stories with you. And again, like I would say, just have fellowship. So the first thing, if we we're sitting here talking one-on-one -on -one, and you're asking me about my journey, and this is going into year 18 uh, as a coach. And I joke about that all the time uh, because I still feel like I'm still young, you know, within this passion to almost have 20 years invested, invested in this uh, business. But the one thing I always tell uh, people that ask me that question is protect your character. You know, you always got to understand um, what that means. And, and, and as you see on the slide there, you know, this is one of the biggest, most important things in life or in your pro uh, profession. You know, who are you? And um, as we go, I'll throw uh, things out throughout the process because I'm, I'm re really big into reading books. And I started thinking about this character thing even a little bit more. And I read this book by uh, Tony Jerry, and it's called Life is a Series of Presentations. Life is a series of presentations. So if you think about it in the synopsis of the book, it talked about every interaction that you have, that that's a presentation. So even from the point of introducing yourself, uh, even from the point of walking into the office, even from the point of you know, dealing with a clerk uh, at the mall, like every time there's an interaction, that's an opportunity for a presentation or it is a presentation. You're walking away with a thought of what you just went through. The person that you just interacted with is walking away, you know, with a thought as well. So I'm always saying to guys, who are you? You know, who are you and what are you about? You know, at the end of the day. And even being around our staff and we're very new obviously with each other. But one thing we always talk about is word of mouth. You know, word of mouth travels. And right, wrong, or indifferent, um, it could either help you 
or it can hurt you, you know, at the end of the day. And I always have tried to take that opportunity again to implement that to the young men uh, or women that I've come in contact with to share how important what is being said about you matters. Now, I know we've probably been around kids um, and sometimes if you're talking to a kid, sometimes you smile on the inside because some of the words that come out of their mouth, you'll say that, you would say, yeah, I used to think that way too, you know? So um, this kid, Charles Hankinson Jr., we recruited out to the University of Wyoming. His father uh, is a high school coach in Florida, had an opportunity to play against his father uh, and got to know his father real well. Started off at Alabama and then transferred in to Wyoming, great kid, um, but was enjoying his college experience. Um, and we often sat in our office, in my office, and talked all the time. And I always tell people this too, that time, whoever you spend it with, that's almost like love. Because once you spend time, like you can't get that back. So when guys come in the office, they sit down, and I'm always ready to talk to them about something. Even if they don't have something to talk about. We may not even be talking about basketball. But there's also times where, you know what, I just sit there and listen. Because they want to be able to express things and not be preached at or talked to. And we have to understand that difference. So in many of my conversations with uh, Hank, you know, one of the things I used to always hit him with was, I know you're a good kid, man, but you're not going about this thing the right way. These are the things that people are saying about you. And I'm sure we've all had this thought before. Well, I really don't care what people say about me. You know, I'm just doing what I do. Words don't hurt. And my response to him was, I get that, you know, young fella, I understand where you're coming from. But at the end of the day, what you gotta understand is, and I said this to him, I even agree with you, but there's a difference between someone speaking about you in a positive way and someone speaking about you in a negative way. And I said, right now, people are speaking about you in a way that's not going to help your future some things has to change within your daily habits uh, and how you interact with people. And I bring that story up because there's so many of them in the sense of how many kids we come across. And like Tony Pahol, a good friend of mine would say as he would be breaking down film or uh, going through a scouting report, if I got one story about a kid, I got a hundred stories. So, as I was talking to uh, Hank, and we got to know each other really, really well, and then as that kid moved on, you always like to see how these kids grow. Hank tried his hand at playing professional sports, came back to Laramie, and ended up selling cars. Was one of the best car salesmen I've ever been around, I've ever heard about. But he had that itch, uh, that itch to go back and play basketball. And before he left, he did one thing that I commended him on. Every employee in that facility, he hand wrote 
a letter of appreciation to each person saying thank you for being a part of my life and helping me um, become better as a person. And now when I spoke to people on his behalf, that guy uh, character went beyond so many levels just because of how he started to carry himself, how he started to act and also understanding that yes, what people say about you matter. And don't, I don't want to misconstrue that because I get right, wrong, and different people are going to talk about you anyway. But if you're going about it the right way, I believe your character uh, will, will uh, go beyond that. The next thing I got on there, guys, and especially in this day and time, social media. And we're often talking to our guys about what they're posting. We're talking to our kids. And as I surf social media, sometimes I'm looking at coaches and saying, wow, you have to be able to protect what you're posting as a individual yourself, because that's your brand, that's your resume. Like we've seen this on so many levels of when kids get drafted or kids um, go on to a profession or you're up for a job, how the things that you put online come back uh, in your face. So my thing to guys are always be systematic about what you're really posting online. Be clever with what you're posting online. I think Coach Johnson, since taking over the job at LMU, has done an absolutely tremendous job of not only promoting himself, but promoting his program and promoting his staff and promoting his vision. Like social media is an opportunity to get things out there for free because you never know, again, who is coming across your page, what they'll be able to go back and see. So take that opportunity to utilize it. And I want to make this point too as I'm talking. Guys, as I'm speaking, I'm not sitting up here saying I do all this perfectly. I'm saying I'm trying to hold myself to these standards and, and, and uh, be accountable for the things that I've learned, but also the things that um, we try to hold our young men accountable to as well. And going on from just understanding that, again, being on protecting your character, word of mouth, travel, social media, I always tell people, you're always being watched, man. No matter what you're doing, you're always being watched. So as we pop on, uh, uh, Rick, can you go to the next slide there? I'm always saying to guys, like you always got to have a mindset of who, who's watching you. And the first thing I got up there, obviously your kids, your players, always watching. Little things that you do, they pick up on. If, if you're a fraud, those guys are going to see right through. So you have to be able to understand that their eyes are on you. And, and, and the lesson I learned was I really got to know Larry Nance Jr. really, really well when he was a player at Wyoming. And again, had great conversation. We would sit in my office and talk for hours. Um, he would speak, I would speak, but there was a great bond. And whether you 
are a head coach, assistant coach, but you always got to understand that the building of a relationship is huge. What we learned as players when we were younger, no matter what the coach said, man, you just did it. Well, we're dealing with a different breed of kids, different generation. They want to know why at the end of the day. And if you're not able to under explain that why, then it's going to be hard for them to run through that wall. And to be able to explain that why, you have to build a relationship. So I'm talking to his father uh, one time on the phone because his father used to check in every once in a while to see how his son was doing. And, you know, I worked with the bigs while I was at Wyoming. And one particular day he's talking to me and he says to me, your son, my son is looking to you for confirmation. And I said, well, what, what are you talking about? And he said, I'm not trying to disrespect what Coach Shy is doing as a coach, but whenever Coach Shy speaks, my son is looking to you for confirmation. And I still quite didn't understand where he was going with it. And my thing was, well, I get it. You know, I work with your son. We spend a lot of time together, but you know, I'm here as an assistant coach. You know, my job is to serve Coach Shyatt at the end of the day. So as I got off the phone with Mr. Nance, that thing just kept playing in my head. My son looks to you for confirmation. So, you know, the next day in practice, you know, we have our practice, everything ends. Coach Shyatt brings everybody into the huddle. And Coach Shyatt is talking to our guys about practice, this, that, and the other. And I was always a guy. I was always just in tune. I was just always listening, you know, because I think the best thing about an assistant is you have to understand what the head coach is saying because when you're talking to the players, you got to be able to uh, regurgitate that information. And this particular day, I'm, I'm um, just listening. And for some reason that day, I'm thinking about Larry Nance Sr. and my head raised. And I just happened to look up. Larry Nance Jr. was staring right at me. And all I did was shake my head, confirming all the thoughts that Coach Shy was expressing with the team. In so many ways, that's all that kid was looking for. So again, even as an assistant, while, you're talk, while, while your head coach is talking, how are you, you know, implementing that message the same way that he's trying to get across to the players? So that was one thing I always did. And I don't know, even being on Zoom calls with coach that he even recognizes, even when he's talking, regardless of what he says sometimes, I'm like, because I'm confirming the message at the end of the day. Justin James, again, if I got one, I got a, a million stories. Um, talented kid out of Florida, we end up getting at uh, the University of Wyoming. Had a great career, now he's with the Sacramento Kings. Again, just even within the recruiting process, got to know everybody in his circle. Uh, mom, dad, grandparents, uncle, aunts, cousins, nephews, everybody, coaches. But even while he got to campus, we still had a great relationship. 
And I remember sitting there with him going into his senior year. And we have, you know, in our business, especially nowadays, you know, everybody don't go about it the right way. <laughs> so we're sitting there having a conversation and out of the blue, you know, he just talking to me and he just opened up to me and said to me, you know, coach, man, you know, I thought about transferring. And I'm like, what? And he was like, nah, you know, we had just lost a lot of our veteran guys. And, you know, I know we got a, a bunch of new guys coming in, a young group. And I had been getting a lot of calls about, um, you know, institutions wanting me to transfer. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, man, my best player is about to tell me he's transferring. But he sat there and he said, but now, nah, Coach, man, thought about it. But when it came all down to it, I couldn't do it because of how much I love you, Coach. Like, how much you've invested into me as a player didn't even waver, you know, on my thought process of, you know, riding this out with you. So again, our players are watching what we're doing, but they're also watching how much time you spend with them, how much love you're showing them. And again, at the end of the day, you just never know how much that'll come back and help you. I got here, others are also watching as well. And some of this stuff, you know, obviously pertains to basketball and how we interact. But if for some reason you're in a, a different field, I think you have to just, in your mind, relate it to whatever field that is. So right here, I got on the road recruiting. I'm always asking guys, are you working, man? You know, because it's easy to get out there and just go sit at games and just chat it up with your uh, other guys. But are you working? So one of the biggest things that I always told guys, even on the circuit, even if we're going to high school, I always walked around as if someone's watching. And because of that, I'm always in the mindset of working. That doesn't mean I can't have a conversation, but if I'm having a conversation, man, it's a conversation about me getting better, you know, at the end of the day. And I'll share some of those thoughts a little bit later. But even as I was out there being watched, had that mindset, I always tell guys because of my vision of wanting to be a head coach, I was always watching people too. Because I knew at some point I was gonna be in, in the role of hiring. And I wanted to be able to understand what guys were doing out on the rules. So if I got a call about this guy, if I got a call about that guy, then I wanted to know, did I ever come across that guy at some point, sometime to where, you know what, great impression on me, or not so great impression on me. And then the other thing about that, and I tell guys this all the time, we're at this age, especially where you have, whether it be athletic directors, presidents, board of trustees, or whoever, they have kids now that are playing on the circuit. My first year head coach, I'm at a game watching my athletic director's son play. And while we're watching, he's talking to me about coaches. So in my mind, that said to me, man, it could be other ADs walking around here with kids. It could be board of trustees. It could be presidents. It could be anybody of influence walking around. 
what are they saying? What are they thinking? When you walk past you, because everybody got on their shirt, whatever college, you know, so it's not easy to say, oh, I remember that college and then go back and search you online. So I'm always telling guys, again, you have to be able to understand that and always have the mindset that you're being watched. Not from a standpoint of being paranoid, but from a standpoint of understanding that be careful of what you're doing when you're in these settings. On campus, are you being professional? You know, I joke about that um, all the time because um, we, we had one of our coaches back in the day uh, when I was at Kentucky, again, always talking to us about this, 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 and this. And then he would be on campus coming to check our classes and uh, he's riding up with the music loud, bumping Tupac. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, what are you, again, is that professional at the end of the day? You know, what are you trying to get off? When you're interacting with administration, when you're interacting with professors, when you're interacting with tutors, when you're interacting with uh, custodians, when you're interacting with the people that serve the food, again, are you being professional? When you're walking in the office, what type of energy are you bringing? You know, every morning, like you get up, like if this is a passion and this is what you love to do, man, waking up is a blessing. Going in that office is a blessing. You know, I walk through that door, even with our new staff and being on campus, you know, I, I look to the left, I look to the right. Coach D, what's up? How you doing? It's just a positive energy. You know, Coach Rick, how we doing? You know, I see Coach walk by, he got a big smile on his face. Like, what type of energy are you bringing to the office at the end of the day? I used to always tell guys, I hate being around energies that are vampires. I hate being around pessimistic people. Like, you have to understand every day when you come in that office or even while you're playing a game, or, like, what type of energy are you giving off at the end of the day? Like, you have to understand that. Um, go to the next one there, Rick. I got the final four on here, guys. And I tell guys all the time too, man, the final four can be sometimes a setup. Because <laughs> we get there and it's almost like everybody wants to kind of let their hair down. Man, I think that's an opportunity still to get better. You know, um, as we're there, you know, one of the things I say to you guys, you know, alcohol is everywhere. And if you're at the headquarters, you know, it's easy to get caught up having a few drinks. And I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying, you know, whether you're going to the Adidas party at night or whatever, that you have to still be mindful that people are watching. you. Like, I don't think the Final Four is that time where it's to relive your college days you know, to where you're sitting there and you're getting wasted. And that's a reflection, you know, on you of understanding that, no, this is, this is, this is our, this is like our headquarters. This is like every coach, every probably administrator, you know, whether it be high school, AAU, college, everybody's there. To me, that's a great opportunity to utilize your time properly. And I always tell guys this, because of my story of being a GA with Tubby Smith. 
Well, I'm walking around with Tubby one day, and every two seconds had everybody coming up to him. And this was back in the day when you had business cards. Nobody had cell phones. So everybody's coming up to Tubby, 15 seconds here, giving him his business card, 50 seconds they're talking. And by the time getting from point A to point B, he got a stack of cards. <laughs> and then at some point, he gives them to me. And then we go into whatever meeting he had, we leave out. I say, coach, what do you want me to do with these cards? Oh, just throw those away. <laughs> and I thought, wow, you know, like that was, it was a, it was a mind opening experience. And I say this to say, even while you're going through this, you have to be aware of situations and scenarios to help you going forward. So you used to always tell guys, man, look, stop trying to get to Coach Smith. Stop trying to get to Coach K. You know what? Billy Donovan used to be an assistant. <laughs> Anthony Grant used to be an assistant. You know, Stan Johnson used to be an assistant. Those guys are just hanging, you know, uh, hanging around the headquarters. Those guys, you know, when they were assistants, are easier to get to. Build relationships with those guys because at some point, they're going to become head coaches. And not to say that they're going to hire you, but you want to be able to build a relationship because maybe they can help you get that job with another person or another coach. And I say that because I went from being an assistant coach where, you know, here and there in the lobby, man, talking, you know, come on, man, I'm at the University of Wyoming. Ain't nobody really trying to get to know Coach E. You know, we just talking. But... I go to the Final Four, first year head coach. I got stopped so many times. And don't get me wrong, I was willing to exchange information. And even after exchanging information, like I just met you five, five minutes ago and you already trying to get a job from me. And I'm saying, man, that ain't the right way to go about it. I'm saying, no, nah, I would rather build a relationship with you. And I don't want our relationship to be based on getting a job. I want our relationship to be genuine. You know, it's no different than when talking to AAU guys, high school coaches. Man, if every time we get on the phone and all we're talking about is uh, players, then it's a, business, it's a business relationship. But if I can get on the phone and we're, we have conversations and a player doesn't come up, then man, that's a friend. And even with that being a friend, I don't expect at the end of the day, if you have a kid and I go down that path of recruiting, that I should be able to get that kid just because of our friendship. Like, I'm all about networking. I'm all about um, building relationships and things of that nature. So my first job, and, and, and again, a lot of this goes back to character and networking, however you want to put it in. So I talk about Tubby uh, Smith a lot because he's really, really helped my profession. He's really helped me in this business, knowingly and probably unknowingly. But I can remember my, my conversation with Coach after chasing that dream of trying to play at the NBA level and uh, playing in leagues here and there. Never went overseas, always stayed over here. This is obviously before the development league, but you're playing in the CBA, the IBA, the IBL, all these leagues. 
And at that point in time, I had had my daughter um, with my now wife. And, you know, you're, you know, looking for a way to feed your family. And those leads can be very cutthroat, man. You know, one day you got a job, the next day you ain't got no income. And the one thing about playing at Kentucky, you know, you leave out of there with a little bit of a nest egg as far as uh, uh, money. Um, not that, <laughs> not that I got paid uh, to play at the University of Kentucky, but we did a lot of barnstorming, you know, after your senior year. So you leave out of there with a good chunk of change, just going around the state, playing basketball and signing autographs. But at that point in time, you know, that money was starting to dwindle, playing in those leagues. Money wasn't a lot. You know, my brother was in the league, so he used to help out. Antoine Walker was my college roommate. He helped out. Nazi Muhammad used to help me out too. You know, I had I had friends that were able to help me during that time where I was still trying to figure some things out. But again, I always knew I wanted to coach basketball. But at the same time, while those guys was helping me out, man, look, I wanted to fend for myself too. So I was this close to becoming a UPS driver. Because I was like trying to find, you know, money to help financially with my my uh, fiance at the time and to raise my daughter, and got the application and everything, and you know was about to turn it in, and I was in Atlanta at the time, and my my best friend still to this day, I remember us having a heart to heart conversation, and him saying to me, man, and this is no disrespect to being a UPS driver. But he said, man, you got more in you than that. You know, um, then you, you always talk about being a coach. Why don't you just go back to school and uh, go down that ro or road to becoming a coach? So first thought was, man, makes sense, you know. And then the first person that came in my mind was Tubby Smith. So get on the phone and I call Tubby and I say, coach, um, this is like in December. I just got released uh, from a, a team as well, and I was trying to keep playing ball. I said, Coach, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about going back to school um, and get my degree, but I want, uh, wanted to know if you could uh, help me get into coaching as well. And I always tell people his response to me changed the trajectory of my life. And again, it goes back to character. What was I like around him when he coached me as a kid? Because he only coached me for one year. And his response was so upbeat. And he said, huh, if you know Tubby, I can use you right now. Come on back. And I hung up the phone and I said to my fiance, I'm going back to school and I'm going to get into coaching. So being there, going back, getting a degree, and I came right in the middle of the midst, midst of the season and just was around the program, getting acclimated about being back, helping out anywhere I can, doing any job he wanted me to do. Um, that following year, I was uh, a little bit more ingrained into the program. And I got here, Chris Briggs was a, a manager uh, at the time at the University of Kentucky. He's now the head coach at Georgetown University. And he helped me get my first job when he was a manager at the University of Kentucky. 
And the story is, you know, Cal Macy, who gave me my first job, former uh, University of Kentucky player as well, was talking to um, our equipment manager, Bill Kitely, who's been there for God rest his soul, was there for a very, very long time. And he was asking Bill about potential guys who fill a void uh, that was left uh, in his program. And, you know, Bill couldn't think of anybody uh, in a sense to give a name. Chris Briggs just happened to be there listening to a conversation and said to Mr. Bill, was like, Mr. Bill, Alan's right upstairs. Why don't you tell him about Alan? And then, bam, sparked it uh, in Coach and uh, Bill Catley's brain, told it to Coach Macy. And then I get a call from Coach Macy about applying opportunity, this, that, and other. And yet, again, I didn't know what to do because I was just finishing up. And then my thought was start grad school. So again, I go back to Tubby and ask him about, should I even, you know, interview for this job? I, I, you know, I, I, I don't even have my master's. And, you know, he says to me, son, at the end of the day, you can always come back and get your master's. So I'd rather you go out there and go get the experience. So again, leading back to a, a mentor, um, as far as uh, me getting that first job. But I say that because if I was a bad person or if I treated Chris Biggs, Briggs, a manager, in a bad way, my name don't come up in that scenario and then, again, possibly change the path of me becoming a head coach. Uh, next one there, Rick. So, again, how are you networking? How are you building relationships? Um, the thing I always uh, tell guys, even in this uh, process, um, I always go about it and I tell guys to read books, man. Love the opportunity and how much it's uh, taught me over the years. Mentors, Tubby Smith. I mean, I got a laundry list of guys that have influenced me uh, to become the coach that I am. You know, going to coaches clinics, always being able to learn, um, listening to motivational speakers, you know, everything. I'm, all, I'm always in a situation of trying to get better. And especially nowadays with um, the internet, you don't even have to know the guy personally to be, for that guy to be a mentor. Calvin Sampson, I love Calvin Sampson, man. I love watching the University of Houston play. You know, I don't have a personal relationship with him. I mean, I ran in and, and, and went to watch his practice and he invited me. But my thing is, man, whoever it is, if you like what it is, that guy can be a mentor to you and he doesn't have to be a personal uh, relationship. And I put down that you can learn from anybody. And again, this is me uh, within conversations. I'm, I'm a GA with Tubby and I, my job was to get Tubby from point A to point B. That was my only job. We walk out of the office and Tubby uh, gets stopped by one of the, uh, the janitors. And the, he's talking to him about basketball. And I'm listening to them, but I'm not paying attention. And I'm just, you know, again, trying to get Tubby the way I'm supposed to get him to. Probably about 10 minutes went by, and I'm like, man, you know, Tubby coach, we got to go. And, again, I heard the conversation, but I wasn't deeply engaged into it. So I get Tubby to point B. Next day, we have a staff meeting, and Coach Smith 
talks about the conversation he just had with the janitor about basketball. And I'm sitting there saying, wow, that was an eye opener for me. Care where the information comes from. That's basically what it said to me. I don't care where the information comes from. If it's information that's going to help me or help my program, then I'm more than willing to listen. So again, how are you utilizing that information? Time management. What are you willing to compromise? As we're going throughout this profession, I'm always telling guys, you know, you can't burn the candles at both ends if you're trying to become great in this profession. My first job as a head coach, and this is what goes back into me networking. And my thing was about becoming a head coach. I was, it wasn't about becoming a head coach at the University of Wyoming. But I tell guys the story about how I got this opportunity, how I got the opportunity to become the head coach and going through the interviewing process. Before I sat down and got in front of the people that were gonna make the decision, I had realized I had already touched all of them. And I've shared, I see a few guys on the screen, I've shared this conversation with them. When I sat there, we had uh, our faculty rep came to every department staff meeting that we had, and she always talked for five or 10 minutes. And that was unusual to me, because every institution I had been to at that point never saw the faculty rep. So when I saw her and we would just happen to be walking, I might've been on campus and I bumped into her and I explained that to her. And I said, you're, you're a little bit more invested into college uh, athletics than most faculty reps that I've been around. Can I take you to lunch? I would love to sit down and speak with you um, just about you know, what you've been through, what, you're, what you've experienced over the years. You know, again, just building and networking with people. And I, I use her story specifically, but there were five other people in that room that I had touched. One of our boosters used to come to our practices. And I didn't know him from Adam the first day. It was just a person that was in our gym. I went over and I introduced myself. And then we just end up building a relationship because he would come here there, here and there or come to our games. Um, our SWA, you know, she invited me to join one of her um, committees and said to me, I don't know, I don't think, I know you can't make every one of them, but I would love for you to pop your head in every once in a while because we would love to hear your thoughts on certain things. You know what? Every once in a while, I popped in, you know, just because, you know. So, again, how are you networking? But at the same time, how are you preparing yourself for whatever you're going after? You know, how are you putting yourself in position? So I say that. Um, go to this last one. I know we're uh, running out of little time, so I'm going to try to speed through this one. How do you handle no? And I think Coach Carter talked about this um, um, when he spoke. And if you're in this profession or if you're old enough in life, you're going to hear that word. And my thing is, at the end of the day, just because you hear that word, that doesn't define who you are, you know, as a coach. It's just a decision uh, that was made, you know, at the end of the day. And at right, wrong, or indifferent, decisions have to be made. So I got up there. I worked on the uh, coach uh, Grant at VCU. We had a great three years, won the league every year. And he moved on to Alabama. And I didn't go with him as an assistant coach. And it was, uh, it was hard 
you know, at the end of the day, um, because I, I was like, man, I thought I was, you know, one of the better guys on his staff, no disrespect to uh, Coach Brandon or Coach Bohol, but I heard it. And my relationship with Coach Grant goes back to when I was eight years old. So I've known him pretty much my whole life. And I, I, I understood after us sitting down and talking, and this is another thing, um, even when that happened, just within conversation with a lot of guys, people wanted me to badmouth Coach Grant because of him making that decision. Never once have I ever said anything bad about Coach because of that decision. I think when he made that decision, it was tough for him just as much as it was tough for me. But he thought he, he, he made the decision that he felt like was best for what he was doing going forward. And to this day, I still have a great relationship with Coach Grant. Coach Grant is my mentor uh, at the end of this day. He's a guy I respect on so many levels. He's the guy I watched as a young man growing up from an inner city and seeing a positive black man doing something at an early age because he coached me in high school. So I love him, you know, um, for that. And then Coach Johnson, before he gave me this opportunity, you know what? He spoke to Coach Grant. So don't believe in bur burning bridges. You never know how that person is going to be able to help you um, long-term as well. No different than my situation uh, at Wyoming. You know what? They made a decision. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I shook my AD's hand and appreciated the opportunity. But at the same time, I looked at all of it as a blessing in disguise. My situation for Coach Grant prepared me for my opportunity uh, to be a head coach at Wyoming because I started to look at things differently within that process. I tell people all the time, before I became the head coach at the University of Wyoming, I was a head coach seven years before that because I started carrying myself that way. When I was on the road recruiting, again, going back to some of the things I talked about earlier, I carried myself as a head coach because that's what I wanted to become. And even being back in an assistant role, nothing has changed. That's how I carry myself because I believe within all my heart that's going to happen again and I will be even more prepared for the opportunity. Last thing I got here, guys, what are you willing to sacrifice knowing and unknowing? And this is probably a little bit more emotional of a scenario. And I got my oldest daughter on there, man. Um, you know, when I got in this profession, she was like five years old. And it was a grind. You know what? I popped my head up. She's 20 years old now, man. And <laughs> this profession, profession can take a lot from you, man. And if I know what I know now, I would balance that a little bit better but it was always about trying to put the family in a better scenario and situation as well. And I don't have the greatest com uh, relationship with my oldest because of it. And I'm still trying to figure out how to make that better. And I say that 
for the young guys out there, especially young in the business, when you have family, find a way to balance that. I know we have a love affair for what we're doing. We have a passion for it, but don't, don't disregard the family aspect of it. Um, and then I got my wife and family down there as well. When you're going through this process, man, understand when you're getting opportunities, they're not only hiring you, know, you they're hiring your family. So your wife has to understand that. And my wife has done a great job. And my kids, my daughter, and I got two younger ones. Um, they, they get that um, in a sense of the things that they do reflect on who you are too uh, as, as, a, as a husband and as a father and as a coach. So um, this last one, uh, Rick, my last advice to you guys is act as if. You know, whatever it is you want to become, you know, start acting that way. You want to become a head coach, start carrying, presenting yourself that way. Um, you want to be an assistant coach on this level, uh, start acting that way. Um, you want to be a head coach on the high school level, whatever it is. You want to become a CEO of a company, start acting that way. You want to, um, you know, run your own business, become an entrepreneur, start acting that way. And then your words and your actions have to match each other. You can't just talk about it. You have to be about it. So um, that's, that, that's my, my journey, guys. That's my, my race. And, and, and what I say in that is you're going to learn a lot of things along the way. You're going to see other people doing it certain ways. Learn from it. But don't get to the point where it's jealousy, jealousy or envy. You know, yeah, somebody may have done it less than you, uh, time, somebody have made, have done it longer than you and they might get an opportunity that you feel like you've worked, you should have. Forget all that. Just continue to work and put yourself in the best position so when that opportunity comes, you're prepared. And I say it to kids, our kids, that you coach, I said to my family, I said to whoever, it's better to be prepared and not get the opportunity and, and, uh, and be prepared, I'm sorry, and not be prepared and get the opportunity. Because if you're not prepared and get the opportunity, man.